Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Miles, and welcome back to the A&M Productions podcast. Our first segment today is going to be a more serious one. We're going to be talking about the DeMar Hamlin injury, and Alex and I are going to be giving some insight about mm-hmm. our respective sports, and going to be talking about football in general. Okay, so I'm sure a lot of you have heard the details by now, but we're going to go over them one more time. DeMar Hamlin has been a starting safety for the Buffalo Bills since about week three, and in this key matchup, Bengals versus Bills for a uh, big playoff seeding, the number one seed. It's a big, big matchup, and it was at Buffalo. Everybody's getting hyped for it. It was a Monday night game. And it's a routine tackle on T. Higgins after T. Higgins caught a crossing route. But as soon as DeMar Hamlin came back up, he went back down immediately. And after that, he was unconscious and needed CPR. Uh, and he was eventually rushed to a University of Cincinnati hospital after that. Thankfully, DeMar Hamlin has been recovering. He's still in critical condition, but the story that has come out is that he was able to write to doctors as he wasn't able to speak because there is still a breathing tube in his mouth, but we're hoping that he's going to make a full recovery eventually. Um, This, for everybody, was unprecedented. Nobody has ever dealt with something like this before, and uh, big credit to the medical staff that were there on site, but... This, in general, is just a scary scene for the sports world in the NFL. And Alex and I, playing our respective sports, soccer and football, uh, have a little bit of insight about how injuries can affect your mentality and also just how scary this event was. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing nothing short of scary. Uh, when you have to see your own teammate being revived on the field for about 10 minutes straight by medical staff, that can... I don't know what's more scary than that. Yeah, the DeMar Hamlin situation is just it was it's it's really good to see him making a like such a big recovery since maybe the scariest injury in football uh, in football history, definitely the scariest injury in football history, but yeah, like coming from a football perspective, you know, as a player myself, once you if you if you really see like, you know, with these football guys or with these guys in general, you just you spend a lot of time with them. You get to know them. You get pretty close. And, you know, as a team, you're pretty close knit. So, you know, when you see your guy go down, that's that's really sad in itself. But, you know, I, I've seen like teams whole mentality change as soon as one guy goes down. But with the DeMar Hamlin situation, obviously, that's like quite a notch above just going down because there is a point in time where majority of people thought he was dead. He he like he he had to be revived on the field. And honestly, as a teammate, there's nothing there's nothing more scary than seeing your brother who you play with, uh, someone who you really love and value just on the field like that. The Bills, you could see how they were hand, uh, handling it. They were they were very distraught with the situation at first. And obviously, you know, who would want to play after that? Who wants to play football after having to worry about whether your brother's going to live or not. You know what I mean? Uh, just a very tragic sight. And you could see them on the sidelines. They were really feeling this and they were, they were very distraught and they, they absolutely didn't want to play that game because who would? Um, but with DeMar Hamlin's recovery, you've kind of seen how close knit the NFL can be uh, with, you know, a lot more, uh, I believe it was the, Titans and uh, the Jaguars, you know, they started a, a prayer before the game for safety just because it's moments like this that make you realize that 
there are things more important than football. We almost lost a young man's life on that field. Um, and the Bills almost went through one of the toughest things, a football or uh, like the Bills players almost went through one of, the, one of the most tough things ever, and that's losing a brother. Uh, DeMar's family almost lost, DeMar's parents almost lost a son. DeMar's siblings almost lost a brother. Just a very tragic situation, and it's good to see him recover, um, which, you know, brings brings me a lot of joy to see. And it's it's really good to see, how you know, how close this has made others in the NFL and, you know, we're we're really glad to see Demar's recovery, and you know, although we're very distraught with the situation, it's yeah, it's really good to see Demar's recovery, and you know, it's it's a sigh of relief that the Bills get to have their brother for years to come, hopefully. Yeah, to touch on that a little bit more about the unity this is bringing the NFL, um, something that was just impactful to see when that was going on is the Bills and Bengals players coming together. And also Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor being able to come together and embrace. Um, and then also being able to talk each other through the situation with the referees, some NFL officials, and people right by their locker rooms. There's a scene where um, uh, Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor are talking about trying to get this game canceled. Players are in the background of both of them with referees and uh, some of the NFL commissioners surrounding them. And respect to them and also... Um, respect to the NFL for I, I think I think some people had some issues with how fast the game was canceled but I think it was the right thing to think everything over and also get a good understanding of what was going on between players between coaches and um, overall I think the situation was handled as well as it could have been but have to give props to the league and also just the players union the players and the rest of the, the football world and the world in general. I, I, I truly believe all the contributions to DeMar's uh, GoFundMe and also Amazing. his um, his organization that he's raising money for. Some millions of dollars have been poured into that. And um, I, just ha- I just have to say that, you know, I'm think- we're very thankful. And uh, it's, just a, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a blessing. It's a, it's a good thing to see. Yeah. It's, it's really good to see the especially the toy drive i believe it was demar he he had a he had a toy drive that he opened up around christmas time and uh i think it surpassed over four million at this point and it's just been going up and up so you know that just shows you uh how close the nfl community has gotten over this tragic event um our next topic is going to be you know college football playoff games uh you know college football playoffs they happened uh December 31st, and it was Georgia versus Ohio State, and it was TCU versus Michigan. I'm going to be covering Georgia versus Ohio State, uh, and Miles is going to pitch in a bit about that, and he's going to take over uh, TSU versus Michigan. So, you know, obviously in the Georgia versus Ohio State game, it was, it was, a, it was a pretty big shootout, you know, 41 to 42, pretty high-scoring game. Uh, CJ Stroud had a master class that game, and, you know, he's, he's, looking like, he's looking like he's going to be guaranteed top two off the board when it comes to that uh, quarterback class. Uh, so it's going to be him and Bryce Young, whichever order that's going to be. But, you know, he had a great game, you know, despite their loss. You know, he let a he let what would have been a game-winning drive if the Ohio State kicker would have made it at the very end. Uh, and he had four touchdowns with 348 yards. You know, you can't ask that much more when you're playing a defense like Georgia's. Uh, he led 
like I said, you let a game-winning drive, or you let what would have been a game-winning drive, but, you know, uh, the kick was missed. Uh, Ohio State's offense was really good. Uh, Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr., they both went over 100 yards, and they had three touchdowns between them. Uh, although, you know, they, uh, Ohio State had 10 plays for loss on offense. Uh, they had four sacks and six tackles for loss, you know. That, that wasn't what you would like to see, but that's just a really good Georgia defense. There's, you can't really hope for much better of a performance. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe in the fourth quarter they could have done a bit more, but you can't really hope for much better of a performance by that Ohio State offense. And, you know, on the Georgia side of the ball, you know, Georgia's front seven, they played pretty well. Their secondary wasn't the best, but Stetson Bennett, he was a good game manager. Uh, he led the what was the game-winning drive, uh, went down six with three minutes uh, three minutes left, and, you know, they led a touchdown drive. He distributed the ball on that. He didn't go to the same receiver. Uh, he didn't go to the same receiver a couple of times, and, you know, he, he ended up uh, throwing in a 10-yard touchdown to end off capping off the game. And, you know, overall it was a good shootout, but I think that was Georgia's best, class, uh, best chance of getting beat. And they looked – pretty invincible, which, you know, if you, if you looked at them last year, they were, they were really good. And, you know, they won the college football championship, but you know, they looked, they looked, they looked pretty beatable this game. And I'm not sure if uh, TCU is going to put up an opportunity like Ohio state. So I think if there was an opportunity to get Georgia down and uh, get Georgia out this playoffs, it would have been this game, but, you know, unfortunately it was one kick and, you know, a couple bad plays by the secondary uh, that ended up stopping that ended up stopping, uh, you know, this upset. Now, one thing I want to cover is this Ohio State game is eerily similar to another college football playoff game they had just a year, a few years back. Uh, Ohio State was playing Clemson and a mm. semifinal, semifinal game. Quarterbacks were Justin Field, Trevor Lawrence, some other key players of this game, J.K. Dobbins, Travis Etienne, loads of NFL talent on both sides of the ball. And just like this game, Ohio State had the ball with the last possession of the game. What happened in that game is Justin Phillips threw an untimely interception where Terry McLaurin fell down on a route in the end zone. It was intercepted, and it was a small mistake that ended up costing the game, and Clemson mm. moved on. Now this game, safe to say that kick wasn't exactly a small mistake. <laughs> It was it was a pretty it was a pretty bad miss, but um, Ohio State just not able to get over the hump. I still believe that it isn't a fault of Ryan Day, their head coach. I still think he's an excellent head coach. His job should not be in any sort of way be under fire. He should not be in the hot seat at all. Um, it's just very interesting how that Ohio State game just played out very similarly to the last one. And what and there's not much more you can say. You, you play pretty much perfect up to that point. Uh, the game, the game is within your reach, and you lose it. That's this is how she goes sometimes, and that's unfortunate. <clears throat> now, moving on to the next game, TCU versus Michigan. TCU won this game, fifty-one to forty-five. In the end, though, it really feels like Michigan's mental mistakes cost them in the end. First mm. of all, on their first drive, they decided to, to call Philly special fourth <laughs> goal on the goal line. And as you suspect, I'm talking about this because it failed. It failed pretty miserably. I, I, I don't understand why Michigan did this. And if they would have gotten six on that drive or even a field goal, we could be talking about a completely different game here. And maybe Michigan would have been able to do something. Now, this game definitely was not without controversy. 
there was a, another Michigan touchdown that was called back back in the uh, the first half. A lot of people are going to talk about that forever, but honestly, I feel like there's going to be bad calls, and honestly, it's Michigan's mental mistakes because on the next play after that, they fumble the ball at the one-yard line. So you can't really make excuses forever. Um, overall in this game, both quarterbacks played, they played, played solid. Both quarterbacks had two interceptions. Um, you have Max Duggan for TCU. He showed off his running ability with two touchdowns, and J.J. McCarthy, the young sophomore, played really well. Uh, overall, they both showed off their legs, and um, for the most part, I, I felt like they showed off their arm talent as well. They both have uh, pretty talented wide receiver cores and also overall offenses. Um, it'll be interesting to see how TCU matches up against um, against Georgia, though. If Ohio State was able to give them that much trouble, we'll see what TCU can do. But TCU's weapons are definitely not on the same level as Ohio State's were. <clears throat> All right, now we're gonna be moving on to the championship preview. Alex touched on this just a little bit earlier when we were talking about uh, Georgia and TCU. When he said, I believe he was talking about Georgia, and he was basically saying that TCU is not gonna be able to put up as much of a fight as Ohio State yeah. did, and uh, I agree with that. I think that in terms of uh, in terms of TCU, they were emotionally drained after that Ohio State game. They put everything they had into that, and I just don't foresee them ba- bouncing back. And I mean, you can make the same argument for Georgia, but I'm going to I'm going to counter argument that with the fact that Georgia was here last year. Georgia knows what it's like and knows the mentality they need to have to win this game. TCU does not. They have not been in this game since since 1935. (laughs) They have not been here in a long, long time. So safe to say, you know, the nerves might uh, the nerves might affect them. The stage might be a little bit too big for them. And. I, I'll be surprised if TCU is able to keep this within a two-possession or even three-possession game when it comes down to it. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not really sure what TCU is going to be able to do against this Georgia defensive line as well. But the interesting matchup in this game will be who will match up against wide receiver Quentin Johnson, who looks like to be a top two or top one wide receiver in this upcoming draft. It's a very, very good talent. He had uh, over 100 yards and a touchdown last game. And we'll see if Max Duggan is able to lean on his talented wide receiver in this game. Um, yeah, we will see how Georgia's offense looks against TCU's defense, who just allowed 40, just allowed 45 to Michigan. So I, I believe that Georgia should break this one open, though. It should not be too close of a game. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to see it as a close game, especially with TCU's inexperience on this stage and Georgia just being such a defined sec team that won the championship last year and they you know they had a pretty convincing season up to the ohio state game which could have gone either way but nonetheless ohio state was a heavy hitter and they've been a heavy hitter for a while i think tcu they're just they're too new to the stage and georgia's kind of been there done that Uh, i think this would be a relatively easy matchup by georgia and i agree that they're probably going to win by more than two possessions um, moving on to our next topic, you know, we're just going to give a quick recap of, uh, or I'm just going to give a quick recap of, uh, week 17 and, you know, what, what happened to the, the playoff picture, uh, with last week's football, basically three teams were eliminated. The Jets were eliminated, you know, the Brees Hall injury, they, their offense hasn't been the same since then. Uh, they've always had a pretty good defense, but, you know, quarterback's been a problem. Running back's been a problem for the second half of the year. Uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's not hard to see why they're not in the playoffs. And, you know, the fact that they don't have, uh, 
they don't really have someone in those positions uh, the later half of the season. I think you know that kind of that kind of indicates that they would lose anyway. Uh, diving into the Panthers, the Panthers they had they had a close or it wasn't really too close a match. Tom Brady kind of had a masterclass against them in the final game, um, and you know they were playing a pretty decent season up to this point. Uh, but the thing, the thing with uh, the Panthers being eliminated, it makes you wonder if DJ Moore didn't take off his helmet, uh, make uh, pushing the extra point back to a forty-five yard kick, which is not a guaranteed kick at all in the NFL. Pushing the kick back to the forty-five in the Falcons game earlier this season, they probably would have got the dub in that game, and you know maybe they could have made the playoffs with the win this next with the win this week, and you know a, a Buccaneers loss this week, so they very well could have still been. Uh, still been in the playoff picture if it wasn't for DJ Moore taking off his helmets, you know, I think that's going to be a question in the Panthers community for a while. And, you know, that's probably going to be a meme for a bit, but uh, the commanders getting eliminated. Now I got the most to say about this one. The commander's elimination is quite puzzling to me because in the game, Ron Rivera saw that Heineke was clearly the better uh, this season. Heineke has clearly been the better quarterback uh, than Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz showed no improvement, and actually he, he seemed to take a step down from even his indie days, which already were very, very questionable. Uh, and overall, he did exactly what he did uh, in the final week of last season uh, when Indiana played uh, Jacksonville, the worst team in the NFL last season. They choked their playoff chances. Carson Wentz choked their playoff chances against a weak Browns team, a very weak Browns team. Browns weren't doing anything on offense the whole first half. And the commanders really could have with Heineke, but Carson Lindsay, he threw two interceptions in the first uh, quarter. I believe it was their first two possessions that he did. And overall, they were just it was just a hard game to win from that point. They, they got momentum in the second half, but they really didn't – or they got momentum in the second quarter, but they really didn't bring that to the second half. So, you know. That's that's just kind of how it goes sometimes, but you know you really should you really should be starting Heineke a scenario like that. Uh, the, the Carson Wentz start every 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 Commanders fan out there is very confused with that, and every NFL fan was too. Now on the good side of things for some teams, the Giants made the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Brian Dable's looking like coach of the year. The way he's turned around this organization, the way he's turned around Daniel Jones's career. Daniel Jones had a master class in the game that. Uh, in the game that they uh, they ended up qualifying for the playoffs. You know, Saquon Barkley might win comeback player of the year. Overall, this has just been a great season to be a Giants fan, especially given the previous seasons you've been. Overall, as an NFL fan, I'm happy to see them here. Uh, it's it's a win. Uh, it's a position that they deserve this season. Uh, it's, it's good to see them in the wild card. It's good to see them qualified. You know, good on the Giants. They deserve it. They've had some pretty good wins this season. Brian Dables looked like a great offensive-minded coach. It's really uh, turned around this offense, and, you know, good for them. Uh, <clears throat> now, me and Miles will both give some key matchups for Week 18, as we just reviewed Week 17. Uh, there's a couple games uh, that could decide playoff spots, and we're going to review uh, three each. Miles, would you like to kick it off? Love to. So first, I want to talk about Packers versus Lions. Packers mm. being Alex's favorite team. Absolutely. Here, let's see which side you want to take. Obviously, I know what Alex is going to take, but for everybody else, there's a pretty big, it's a pretty big case here for why you'd want to root for the Lions. The Lions historically, always, always, ever since the Barry Sanders era, have 
consistently not been very good. They had a few uh, a few a few good seasons back when they had Megatron or when they had Stafford, but ever since then they've been the laughing stock of the NFL. But with a win here, Detroit could clinch the playoffs along with the Seattle loss. Now, on the other hand, Packers control their own fate. They will win as long as they just win this game. Now, to explain where both these teams have been this year, it's a bit mixed. The Packers started off at 1.4 and 8, but they've won the last four. Aaron Rodgers has been on a hot streak, but more significantly, what's been good about the Packers recently is they've been pounding the rock with their two talented running backs, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Overall, right now, the Packers look pretty formidable on offense, and also their defense is coming off a huge game against the Vikings, where they only held them to really three points throughout the entirety of the game. Now, on the other side, the Lions, consistently, as we talked about, have not been very good, and it looked like they were going to repeat that at the beginning of this year. They were about 1-6, and six, I believe, at one point, but yep. they have completely tw- turned around that narrative, and they're on a hot streak. And this team would be so exciting to watch in the playoffs because they light up the scoreboard. This offense with Jared Goff, surprisingly, at the helm, has been very, very productive. Their next best player outside of that has definitely been Amon Ross St. Brown, their wide receiver. And, man, it's really, really interesting to see how, how good this team is on offense under the coaching of Dan Campbell. And, honestly, it'll be as far as their defense lets them go if they're able to, if they're able to do well in this game. Now, moving on to that next game, we're going to be talking about the Rams versus the Seahawks. Now, this game, the Seahawks find themselves in a bit of a messy scenario. The Seahawks could have been in much better position if they would have beaten the Panthers a few weeks back, but they were ran all over by Chuba Hudward. Now, the Seahawks can clinch the playoffs with a win versus the Rams and a Packers loss or tie versus the Lions. And significantly about that, the Seahawks here are going to find themselves in an interesting situation because it's really going to rely on Geno Smith, and specifically on the Rams side of the ball, it's going to rely. It's going to rely on: Are they just going to rest their starters? Is there? They have no. They have no reason to play this game. They really don't. So will they just allow Seattle to pretty much just have their way, or will the Rams put up a fight and we'll see what happens? Um, I think that this game, like as I mentioned, for Geno Smith can determine what will next year look like for him. I think if he's able to get Seattle in the playoffs, no matter what happens from that point, he could secure a starting role next year and he could continue to be their franchise quarterback down the line. Now, if he has a similar fate as earlier mentioned as Carson Wentz did for the Indianapolis Colts last year, I could see him losing his starting position and maybe being traded. So I think a lot falls on Geno's shoulders here in terms of his future legacy, but it'll it, it should it should be a game that Seattle wins, and they'll have to be watching the Packers game after that to see how it will go. <clears throat> now the last matchup I want to talk about is uh, going on today on Saturday. It's the Jags versus the Titans, and this game is pretty much whoever wins it wins the, wins a playoff spot. The winner of this game will clinch the AFC South, and as as of right now, it looks like the the Jaguars are in the driver's seat. Uh, this has been honestly a great Jaguars team to watch so far this year. Their offense has been phenomenal. They've revived a lot of a lot of players' careers out of their free agency signings. One being Evan Ingram, the tight end, formerly of the New York Giants, has had a very productive season this year. Eighty catches, over seven hundred yards, and a few touchdowns. Also Zay Jones, and also Christian Kirk. 
Um, it's it's very interesting to see what the Jags have done, and they have a very, very good young core of players. Now, the Tennessee, on the other hand, they are starting Josh Dobbs at quarterback and still relying heavily on Derrick Henry. It, it seems as though the Jags will probably lock up a, a playoff spot, but I would never put it past a Mike Vrabel poach team. So those are my three key matchups. Alex, would you like to talk about yours? Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into it. So the first matchup I'm going to talk about is Patriots versus Bills. Now these are two division rivals. You know they got a lot of they got a lot of history. They got some bad blood. Um, but the scenario for the Patriots in this game is win and in. So if the Patriots win, they are in. Uh, there's other scenarios where they can still make the playoffs with the Dolphins' loss uh, and a Steelers' loss and a Jaguars' win. They make the playoffs. But, you know, essentially, if you're a Pats fan, you're kind of riding on that win. And this is a tough Buffalo team that they have to face. This is, a, this is no joke. Buffalo is loaded on offense and defense, led by Josh Allen, uh, who was at one point the MVP front runner this season. And he's probably still a candidate at this point. Though he likely will not win it. Uh, but, you know, very elite quarterback uh, and a pretty good offense. Good re- Bills have a lot of good receivers. It'll be a trouble. It'll be trouble for the Patriots defense. But what I'm worried about uh, for the Patriots this game is if they can match Buffalo's offensive production. They have to be elite, too, on the offensive end. And with Matt Patricia, offensive coordinator, we've seen how that's gone a couple times. Mac Jones has to put up a master class this game against a strong Buffalo defense. And although that is not, although although that would be, you know, an upset to say the Patriots would win, they started, they're certainly still in it. You know, they got a decent running game. They got a decent passing game. Um, a good team plan and good execution can win them this game. Overall, I trust their defense to at least get uh, to at least to try to get a turnover or two, get a clutch stop or two. They're pretty elite on that end uh, in the secondary, and they got a good pass rush too. Uh, overall, winning in. Uh, Patriots fans, it's going to be an interesting game to watch. But in the scenario that the Patriots lose, we'll dive into our next game, Dolphins versus Jets. Now, if the Patriots lose and the Finns win, they're in. So Finns have a win and in scenario if the Patriots lose. So, you know. Uh, Dolphins play the Jets. And the Jets, you know, as I mentioned previously, they're already eliminated. Uh, Dolphins are coming off of a complete revamp of the team. They've added Tyreek Hill this season. He's been nothing short of productive. If you look at the duo of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, they're they're arguably, you know, I'm going to say it, they are the most productive wide receiver duo in the league. And, you know, nobody's putting up stats like them. Two has been a good game manager when he's in, but he is in concussion protocol, I believe, for this game. Um, but nonetheless, a winnable, a winnable game for the Dolphins and uh, something they should win. And, you know, the, it's likely that the Patriots could lose to a very strong Bills team. So, you know, their playoff chances are, are really not dead. They could get to a bag. Uh, on the Jets' side of the ball, as I mentioned earlier, their offense is pretty injured and their quarterback situation is questionable. Uh, they have an elite defense. So, you know, we'll see how uh, the Dolphins coaching staff can – Plan against that. Overall, if they win, they're in, including a Patriots loss to the Bills. And my final game that I'm going to talk about today is Steelers versus Brown. Is Steelers versus Browns. Now, Steelers, they've had a pretty crappy start to the season. I believe they were two and six or something. 
Uh, their quarterback situation was very questionable. Trubisky wasn't playing well. When they started Pickett, he was getting uh, a lot of turnovers. I think he had three uh, interceptions in one game on his first start um, on maybe only 13 pass attempts. I believe it was something like that. But, you know, he's coming off of a, a game, uh, game-winning drive last, uh, last game. So, you know, Pickett's got some momentum. The Steelers offense, they have a good – they have a good running back at Najee Harris. He could potentially look for him to have a big game against the Browns. And overall, the Browns' defense has been pretty weak this season compared to you know what you would expect from a lot of uh, what you would expect from it. You know they got Miles Garrett, and you know they were pretty good last season. Uh, and the Browns' offense, they're going they're going under a revamp in the Deshaun Watson era. Uh, he hasn't looked too strong. Steelers can probably deal with him as it currently is. You know, he hasn't really gelled with the team too much. Um, but this is a very winnable game for the Steelers. And their playoff scenario is if they beat the Browns and the Jets beat the, pa- uh, Jets beat the Dolphins and the Patriots lose at Bills, you know, they could still make it. Although that doesn't seem the most likely scenario in the world, I think you can count on the Steelers to beat the Browns if they have good execution in the game. They seem like the better team how it is, and with momentum, they could be able to do it, and that's the final game I have for today. Overall, looking like some spicy runs uh, in the final week, and please stay tuned on Sunday. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, We're excited to be back. This is similar to what happened last year where we came back right around playoff time, and we will be turning out episodes Uh, for every single week of the playoffs and we thank you everybody for staying patient with our uh with our big break and uploading have a good one wherever you're listening from and goodbye